Volcano Watch. This is our weekly podcast to update you on the volcanic activity of the week. I'm one of your hosts, Alessandro Muso. And I'm your other host, Corinne Jorgensen. We're PhD students at the University of Geneva. We study volcanoes and are here to give you all the hot volcano news. First, a quick update on some of the week's activity, and then uh, we focus in on one volcano. Today we'll start in the Americas, where we have several ash advisories from Semispochnoi Senge at 7 kilometers high Sabakaya for 8.2 kilometers, Fuego at 5.3 kilometers, Reventaro at uh, 4.6 kilometers, Pobacetapetal at 6.4, and the Nevado de Chilean. This, the winner of the week for the highest plume is Sabancaya, with a plume that reached 8.2 kilometers of altitude. Volcanic activity continues also at La Soufrière Saint Vincent in the Caribbean Sea, which is producing several volcanic plumes. Fuego in Guatemala is continuing its eruptive activity as well, consisting of moderate to strong eruptions at an interval of 9 to 12 eruptions per hour. The ash plumes that were produced reached an altitude of about 4.9 kilometers. Guatemala was particularly in the mood for eruptions this week. Also, Pacaya, after a relatively calm period, opened a new vent that is now feeding a new lava flow. This new lava flow looks to have a pretty high flow rate and could potentially threaten the populated areas. In the meanwhile, mechanic crater is continuously active, producing strombolian activity and large amount of ashes. Also an update from Kilauea in Hawaii, uh, where the open lava lake surface has contracted by about 25% in this past week, losing its volume as it cools and degasses. Uh, now it's time to land in Europe. And we're happy to talk about uh, Italy again, uh, precisely in Sicily, where Mama Etna has been uh, waking up from her four-week nap. So we've had some strong Strombolian activity in the night between the 24th and the 25th, and also some Strombolian activity uh, early in the morning on the 26th. Now, after this activity, she's starting to calm down again with just some sporadic ash admissions. Just go to Piton de la Fournesse in La Réunion, France, um, that is continuing his uh, effusive activity, which remains more or less unchanged since last week's updates. The fissure vents are continuing producing meal lava fountains and feeding the lava flow. In Asia, as always, there's several ash advisories, some from Swanojima, Sakurajima, Dukono, Simiru, Langali in Papua New Guinea, and the winner for the highest Asian plume is Simiro, who wins with a 4.3 kilometer tall ash column. That's great, but just go back in Sakurajima in the Kyushu region, Japan, that is producing volcanic eruption in an impressively regular rhythm of two explosions per day, with ash plumes reaching an altitude of about 2,500 meters. The volcanic bomb ejected during these explosions are able to fly one kilometer high from the Minamidake crater and traveling a distance of about 1.3 kilometers far from the outpouring vent. Wow, that's a crazy. Okay, so also in Japan, Suenojima in the Ryukyu Island, uh, it's also producing some these ash emissions with volcanian explosions throwing incandescent bombs not quite as far, only 600 meters far from the main vent. But that, I still think that's pretty far. Yeah, but the star of Asia, 
this week was Sinabong in Indonesia, which is producing spectacular explosion with ash plumes reaching up to 4 kilometers. That's almost the 4.3 of Sumeru, but <laughs> not sorry for Sinabung. The lava dome uh, at Sinabung is continuously growing, producing cellular glowing avalanches. 138 avalanches from the last report of the local uh, volcano observatory. The alert level remains, of course, uh, pretty high. Okay, but Indonesia doesn't just have Sinabung that's been erupting. This week, we also saw on the 28th. 126 avalanches shining on the flanks of Merapi, where the lava dome is continuing to grow and the seismic activity is growing as well. Well, guys, seems that Indonesia was pretty on fire this week. At Diang Volcano, one single phreatic explosion occurred the 19th evening. As also reported by the Volcano Discovery, phreatic explosion may occur when groundwater gets in contact with hot volcanic rocks and not necessarily with molten magma. But we will keep our eyes well open on this part of the world. So that's it for the quick update for today. As always, we recommend you check out our sources, volcanodiscovery.com and the Smithsonian Global Volcanism Project uh, for more information. Let's go to the focus! Okay, so for the focus of the week, we're going to talk about Iceland. And it's funny, Iceland has decided to make me eat my words. Last week, I mentioned that the activity seemed to be slowing down. And then Iceland started doing fire fountains this week. But I am not complaining. These fire fountains are gorgeous to watch, and the webcams have been incredible. That's why we have never to say anything so we really hope that Mount Etna's continue to erupt every day and she stops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is like definitely how it goes. Yeah. Um, so if you are new to the podcast, uh, here's the deal with the Icelandic volcano. So starting in March, there's been a new fissure opening um, on the Reykjanes Peninsula in the Geldingedaler Valley close to Mount Fagradasfjall, which is generally kind of what this area is being called. So since March, there's been several vents that have opened and there's been kind of almost constant lava flow filling this valley. Currently, there's still a fissure, but the thought is that perhaps that this, this eruption might continue uh, this way and eventually become a shield volcano. So starting over the weekend, we got large lava fountains, normally between 100 and 150 meters tall, but some reaching, you know, 300 meters tall. And so for reference, this is similar to the Eiffel Tower in height. And I know Alessandro is going to say it can't be compared to Mama Etna, but no, it's no, still I really high. No, no, I wasn't saying anything, Karim. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought about it, but I say, okay, this is not a competition between Iceland and Sicily. It's two yeah. different volcanoes. And yeah, Very much yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's some really cool videos and, and pictures online from the city of Reykjavik, which is like the, the bigger city that's close to this, um, the fissure. And you can see the lava fountain in the distance and it's like dark and it's, I'm not going to lie. It's like a little apocalyptical to see these cars driving by with this massive red lava fountain in the background. It's honestly, it's really cool. So yeah, it yeah. is. There was also some thought this weekend that a second fissure was opening, which was exciting, but uh, it turns out to be a false alarm. Uh, it's just some moss that caught fire um, from the lava from, from 
chunks of the fire fountain being flung over and they set some moss on fire. So some people are like, oh, it's a second fissure. But no, it's just it was a small fire. Okay. <laughs> so, so really what we saw this weekend was regular pulsating activity um, in intervals of, of 8 to 12 minutes for the eruption with about a 1 to 2 minute rest period between. And the behavior has been continuing today as well. And so VolcanoDiscovery.com, who we love, put out a a longer statement today about the change in behavior. So we'll summarize just a little bit of what they said for you guys. So generally, the activity is concentrated in uh, vent number five, which is the central part of the fissure system. And they know it's it's really interesting that the eruptive behavior has really had a big switch from like a steady flowing effusive lava flow and an an effusive just like it's a scientific term that means that the lava is is coming out without like these big eruptions it's calm i like to think of it as it's kind of like more oozing but um but now uh, in iceland we've seen it switch to a more explosive style And, and there are ranges in explosive styles and fire fountains is still like closer to the effusive end than like let's say compared to like what we saw at saint vincent a few weeks ago like that's a truly truly explosive so it's kind of like um a scale so we're starting to become more explosive so this shift from this steady effusive to more pulsing explosive stuff um is is an interesting thing because clearly something has definitely changed and it's kind of too soon to say exactly what has changed and i'm sure there's lots of people researching this and hopefully there'll be some cool papers coming out in in the near future about this but generally it's thought to be one of two or or a combination of, of two things either a bottleneck situation where where things are kind of getting stuck at well at a bottleneck and then it's going there or there's just been a change in the volatile behaviors oh. with perhaps more volatile Whoa, 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 whoa. calm down, Corinne. What is a volatile and why they are important or we care about them? I mean, Alessandro, you know, but but for the sake of the listeners, I will will explain. Are they birds? (laughs) Volatiles are not birds. Volatiles are are fluids or gases or liquids, you can kind of think of them, um, in magmas. And typically the volatiles that, that we think of are water and co2 now there's other ones as well like there's sulfur and chlorine and these these other other volatile species but the big ones that we we think about and that are in larger concentrations in our magma dissolved in our magma are water and co2 and and why do these really care well okay so for volatiles why they're important is we have to think about their solubility so our volatiles, our water and our CO2 are actually dissolved in the magma. So I like to think of it kind of like how you can dissolve sugar in water, you can dissolve H2O and CO2 in magma. And one of the big things that controls how soluble these, these volatiles are, are their pressure. And at a certain point, um, either you've you've changed the temperature or you've changed the pressure, these volatiles, so this water and this CO2, will exsolve. And when they exsolve, it means they go from a liquid phase into a vapor phase. Yeah, Corinna, I think that this is something that probably people already experience in their own life. For example, when they uh, open a bottle of beer. So beer contains some volatiles dissolved inside. And as long as the bottle is closed and is under pressure, 
these volatiles, these gases remain that mainly CO2 remain dissolved inside the beer. As soon as you open it, all these gases tend to uh, exhaust, yes, and then and sometimes the bottle can also erupt like like a volcano. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's a great analogy, Alessandra. So this is what we kind of have to think about. Like, if you have all of these volatiles that are suddenly exolving, and just like sometimes what happens with your beer or your pop, um, it, it, it erupts. So this is why it's important to, to consider the volatiles when we, we talk about volcanic eruptions. Anyways, that was my volatiles tangent. I study volatiles for my PhD, so <laughs> I think about them a lot. <laughs> Anyways, so Thor Thordarson, a great name, uh, states that the eruption uh, is currently in a volatile-driven phase. So the volatiles, instead of coming up with the magma like it was before, it's now coming up in pulses. So, so the volatiles are driving the eruption up. And he thinks that perhaps something is delaying the gas release. And then there's, there's a pressure buildup and, and it eventually overcomes and then erupts with these jets and these fountains that we've been seeing. So that's kind of what's been happening in Iceland in a little bit more detail. And honestly, this eruption is so magical. And sometimes it makes me a bit sad that we can't go, or at least it's yeah. not advisable with COVID. But there is some beautiful, some absolutely stunning footage out there. And the webcams are really, really fun. Honestly, I, I like just like putting them up when I'm doing my homework or reading papers or whatever. So um, it's it's a nice like community, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty jealous. I, I really would like to be there with them. And Anyways, um, as always, Volcano Discovery is a great source uh, if you want to know more. But also, uh, volcanocafe.org, it's a really cool blog that's been featuring Valgradasfjall eruption quite a bit. So we really recommend you want to check it out. Their posts are in really plain language, still very sciencey, and they're a little bit more structural-based. So more about faults and fractures, less about chemistry, because that's what Alessandro and I talk about most of the time. Uh, So we highly recommend um, and I think that's it for, for us this week. Um, yeah, thank you very much to all of you to spend a little bit of your time with us. And see you next week. Bye.